Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. This is an Irish independent podcast. I think there's a belief that comes and, and, and a toughness. I think they don't miss. Do you know, there's, we always talk about moments in games. Leinster don't miss many moments. Like Ulster seem to miss the moments to put, a, put the knife in and twist it. You know, Leinster never do that. When they sense but blood. But even when they, they don't sense blood, even when they're down, the chips are down, and there's a moment before half time, you go, do you know what? Yeah. We're miles out of this. But if we get something on the board, there's just a little bit of doubt in the opposition. A busy period for the provinces kicks up another notch this weekend as the Champions Cup comes into view. Munster, Leinster, Ulster and Connacht are all in European action this coming weekend. But they'll all be feeling a bit differently about life after what was a very interesting round of URC fixtures. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast. Will Slattery here back in studio with Lou Fitzgerald and Keane Tracy. And we've plenty to talk about tonight. But Keane, I think I might first go to a piece you wrote on Monday and I thought was very interesting. And it was about Dan Sheehan and the amount of minutes he's played so far this season. I think he's played only 30 minutes less than he did in his entire Leinster season last year so far for his province. And also he featured in all three November at the National, so a fairly heavy workload so far. And you seem to think that could be a bit of a, a danger, potentially? I, I just think it's unusual in the modern game. Like Whether it's right or not is a debate we can probably have. But when you look at the IRFU's player management programme, like they're almost managed to the second, let alone the minute. And he has played a huge amount of minutes. Now, like I made the, several points throughout the piece. Like I mean, it's up on independent.ie if anyone missed it. But, you know, Leinster might feel like they've been backed into a corner. Obviously, Sean Cronin retired and James Tracy re- retired during the season. So clearly they have less options. Um, he's a young guy who's 24 probably less mileage on the clocks than a lot of other 24-year-olds considering he was a bit of a late developer. So there are kind of, you know, reasons that Leinster could point to. But I kind of just go back to, and it still sticks in my mind, is last year's Six Nations game in Paris when Ronan Keller was obviously out injured and Dan Sheehan and Tyke Furlong played almost the full game and you had the French rolling off like their version of the bomb squad and like that is what the best teams in the world are doing and like of course like if Ronan Keller had been fit and that is a big factor in all this as well that Ronan Keller has been injured but I still like Leinster have other options like I mean John McKee like has been there and he looks like a good prospect but they haven't been trusting him really at all and you saw it again he came off the bench last week and was really unlucky to suffer a head injury was gone after three minutes which meant Ronan Keller had to play 77 minutes which wasn't part of the plan clearly so um, I just think it's interesting with the way Ireland managed their players that a guy has played so many minutes like I mean again people can read the, the piece online but in the 13 games he's played this season he's played 804 minutes so like if you look at like we'll say Rob Herring who's going to be probably the third hooker in the Ireland squad he's played 10 games but only 449 minutes Rony Keller again like he's missed games through injury so maybe you wouldn't look at that so his minutes are way up compared to other players and you know you can have the debate should they be more battle hardened or is it better to kind of keep them monitored but I just think in the year that's coming I'm surprised a player who's going to be so important to Ireland's um, Six Nations and their World Cup campaign um, is playing so many minutes because the physical toll on a front row modern day player is unbelievable especially for a hooker that's why they've brought in like the break foot the amount of pressure he's taken in a scrum again you look at a guy like James Tracy who's had to retire now from a neck injury so um, you, you talk about the mental toll as well of going to these games even that Ospreys game last weekend I was really surprised to see him playing in that game like that was a proper scrap that he had to play 77 minutes so um, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it per se but I do think it's a risk when you're halfway through the season and he's played a huge amount of minutes because Leinster are going to have to manage Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if Ronan Keller starts this weekend. And like we've had this debate before about you know the two hookers, unbelievable uh, luxury to have. But it could come back to haunt Leinster in the latter part of the season if they don't make sure that his game time is managed. Because Ireland are going to want to make sure that he's available for all five Six Nations games as well as what's coming down the line. Yeah, nine Leinster appearances this year. He's played 77 minutes or more in six of them, which is you know a little bit unusual. As you say, with the Kelleher injury, James Tracy being unavailable and then retiring 
John McKee is kind of the next hooker who, who's very inexperienced. Luke, what's your view on it? Because something Keane said there, I think, for me, is what I think on this matter. And is that, like, Don Sheen hasn't played a lot of rugby at the top level. Like, last year was his first full season properly playing Champions Cup International Rugby. He's still kind of growing his game as a hooker. And I think he's actually improved immeasurably by playing so much rugby. I think the reason he's being talked about as one of the best hookers in the world now is because he's been able to play this amount of rugby and get better every week. Even his like line-out throwing has improved. Like The Leinster line-out has been a real strength this year. I think that's kind of an area of his game that's gotten to grow by getting more minutes. What do you think? Is there a risk of maybe overplaying him now and that maybe he might pick up an injury or maybe somehow you know, be overcooked by the time bigger matches come later in the year and then even looking, obviously, to the World Cup later in the year? No, look, I think they managed them really well. I think what's really important for them now at this stage is probably not to necessarily look at the playing minutes, but to look really hard at the at the training minutes. Um, because I don't think you can risk playing someone who's playing this well. I think it's become a really important part of... Obviously, Leinster goes without saying, but Ireland as well. I thought he was brilliant down in New Zealand. I really did think he was fantastic, and in November too. So he's a really important cog now, and it's a very important position on the pitch. It's one of those skilled positions. Um, so I don't think you can take the risk of completely not playing him until Six Nations and putting him on ice. I think you have to play these guys in the skill positions, your tens, your, you know. Sexton's always been, in my mind, a bit of an aberration in that sense. Most people in those, you know, a fullback, I would consider one of the skill positions. I'd say nine, ten, hooker, probably maybe tight head, maybe an eight. Um, I think those positions, you've got to play. Like, you're kind of doing something quite skilled pretty, pretty regularly, you know, and pretty technical. I wouldn't take the risk of cooling off his form. Um, and I would probably be thinking I'd be managing his training uh, versus managing his minutes at this point. Uh, and that's probably how I would think about this, Will. I think, um, is there a danger of overcooking him? You know... I don't think so. I, I think he looks like a really fit guy. He looks like he's in great shape. Um, you know, the people who really will be able to answer that with any conviction are people that won't give us the answers of the strength and conditioning coaches and probably the coaches have that information too. But from what I can see, he looks to be in great shape. And I just think, yeah, maybe I might tilt... Uh, I'd tr- probably try and play Kelleher back into a bit more form, if you know what I mean. So we're talking about maybe a 50-30... Uh, kind of time split between your hookers or most teams bring on say a new front row if we're talking about the best teams in South Africa or France probably are the examples there um, I might be thinking about put playing Kelleher maybe on that 50 minutes and put uh, tilt Sheehan more towards that 30 minutes it still gives you a real weapon on your bench and it keeps him ticking over nicely and maybe manages those minutes down to more normal level while getting Kelleher's up so that's probably how I would think about it um, just, to, just to add a, like a little bit more context to it Will I mean it's 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 more so I, I would talk about the caliber of games he's playing. I'm not for a second saying that he shouldn't play before the Six Nations. I would have just expected him more to be kept for the bigger games, not the Ospreys away. Even if you go back to November, he came off the bench in the Fiji game. Now I think that that was more of a kind of a statement to Dave Heffernan, who didn't play that well in the Ireland A game because you'd imagine he would have been on the bench. But like I just didn't see the value in Dan Sheehan coming off the bench in that Fiji game. So like in all the minutes that I said he's played, he's played 80 minutes four times. He's played 79 nine minutes and he played 77 minutes like it's unheard of for a modern day hooker to be playing that long in games as well the example I gave of France South Africa do it so um, is that only sorry is it unheard of only in Ireland really well, not not at all because France. No, every the, match you watch, no matter what the league at the weekend, the front rows are our mark. The, the front rows are come rolled off. off 50, yeah. between fifteen and sixty minutes. I think it'd be, it would be very rare. I think to see. Oh, oh, sorry. So you're not talking. You're not. You're talking about the actual minutes in game. Yeah. Sorry, I was yeah. confused. I was just thinking. Sorry. Yeah. Most most people like nine games. Is it nine games we're talking about? Is it? Our, He's played thirteen for club and country. This thirteen season. for club. And, sorry, including yeah. the the, the Irish. Yeah, yeah. But okay. like, it, t- we are usually saying the opposite. We're usually giving out about you know Leinster lose a big game, Ireland lose a match, and we're like, God, they're so wrapped in cotton wool and then some guy's getting played and then you're fla- you're flogging him for it, it you're it, flogging everyone it is it. a fine balance like there's someone I know who works in the, the premiership and I was talking to him lately about this and he like he always thinks that the Irish Bears are wrapped in cotton wool too much and that's a reason why come the World Cup that they like not their reason but one of the reasons why they tend to underperform now you look at England at the moment what's going on there and you know so many of the big names are leaving and there's there's talks now more, more and more that the RFU could do could look at doing the centralised you know um, contracting programme that Ireland have which would mean that they would be able to manage their minutes more because what goes on in England is very different to what goes on in England because the clubs clearly want to get every last you know ounce out of the players so it absolutely is a, a, a fine balancing act and I agree with the points that you're making and I did make them in the piece as well that he is a young guy he doesn't have the miles in the clock I just think it's something worth monitoring like he's not the only one whose minutes are up but like Ty, Ty Byrne, Byrne yeah Ty Byrne, 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 they played, but, Andrew, they, but they've been playing well as well and like 
the reason Munster got probably their season back on track was to lean on these guys. Like they're your stars for a reason. So I, I'm, I'm glad to see them playing a bit more than they ordinarily would. You become a bit battle hardened as well. Like I think, like the the, the overtraining and the overplaying thing, you know, does come into play at, at certain points where you're, and it's probably more towards the end of those games. which probably ties in with your point mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe about should they exercise a bit of caution, particularly if they're, if you know, if that is happening a bit more. It's towards the end of the game where you really feel that where you get your foot. In it, you know, you're kind of just tired. Generally, you get your foot in the wrong position in a tackle or in a rook or something like that, and you end up having a, a weird fall just because you're just not as sharp as you would have been, say, in the first five or six games. You know, and you're really match sharp. So there's definitely a balance to be struck with, I think, in, in that respect. And they do need to watch. I would say that at this point, having I, I thought it was nine, but it's thirteen, obviously, as well. Is, is that the includes Ireland, yeah. yeah, including Ireland. Uh, and I think, to, to my mind. That does sound like that's actually a good. That's a that's a that sounds like almost like a French player, and particularly with the minutes that he's been playing on the pitch. So they probably do need to exercise a bit of caution on that, uh, and, and just watch him because I think he's become very valuable. Yeah, but it's worth noting as well, like that. The, obviously, we're talking about the World Cup as the big thing. Have we turned into twenty twenty three? But there is a lengthy break at the end of this season for players to recharge the batteries, to to heal up if they have injuries, or just to kind of get ready. And I know some ways that can be a hindrance because the Southern Hemisphere teams might be having their rugby championship beforehand, but like. There's a lot to be played for this season as well. There is time to rest and recuperate at the end of this season. There is, and I think the only reason, well, not the only reason, but like part of the reason why I wrote the piece is why, because I totally agree with Luke. He's become so, so important for Leinster and Ireland. But I just think the nature of the position, like I said, you go back to James Tracy. He's only retired a few weeks ago because he got, you know, a neck injury in training, I think it was. So um, I just think the nature of the hooker the position that the weight they carry in the scrum, um, it's just something worth watching out for in an age where the game time is managed so so finely I just thought it was worth uh, worth pointing out yeah certainly worth keeping an eye on over the coming weeks to see how much he plays and obviously as if Rowan Kelleher kind of gets a little bit more game time ahead of the Six Nations Champions Cup coming back this week lads and it was a very interesting weekend for URC as well King we were talking off air with Luke as well about Ulster and where they find themselves and we've kind of We've talked about Ulster a lot, but they keep adding kind of new chapters <laughs> to talk about every week. This time losing to Benetton, despite putting out quite a strong team. Like, what, what do you say after that one? Like, there, there was so many things wrong with the performance. You know, key guys not firing, conceding, what, 29 points. You know, their defence this season has been very leaky. Jared Payne's absence, I suppose, hasn't been talked about a whole lot, but maybe he was really a, a key fulcrum there in that regard. Now they have to go to La Rochelle, away from home, it doesn't get any easier La Rochelle who beat Toulouse last weekend really comfortably as well uh, yeah like Ulster in a big big hole um, the fact they sent such a strong team to Treviso last week and still lost to Bennett in is really damning I think yeah, for me it's the most actually the wor- the mm. lowest point so far because if you look at the other teams they played like La Rochelle a rampant sale you know Leinster you know Munster, Munster in an Interpro yeah. Connacht in an Interpro Benetton away as good as they are at home and they've been strong that's they they made Benetton have improved a lot and I think you should give them credit yeah. and it, it sounds like you were no they've only lost one home game yeah, this season absolutely like, yeah. but they made them look far far yeah. better I mean every single aspect of uh, Ulster's performance there was holes in it their line out was awful like I mean you had Rob Herring and Ian Henderson in the team like two guys who will be expecting to be in the, the Six Nations squad uh, their scrum was a, a disaster uh, news came out today that Marty Moore has torn his, his ACL so that leaves a big hole there as well you know, you really want to see like you know Tom O'Toole, a guy standing up now over the next kind of wall for Ulster. Um, their defence, like you said, was awful. Just like holes appearing out of everywhere, and their attack just isn't firing at all. And like you know, you can look at the coaches and like Dan McFarland has come in for a lot of stick, and he came out you know last week and he used you know the word soft, and like that is such a strong word for a coach to use about his own players and we kind of wrote back and said in a, in a rugby sense but to hear your head coach use the word soft about you is very very sore and I would have expected a big response from Ulster after getting that and they didn't and you were kind of wondering what would Dan McFarland's approach be after this game and he kind of like wrote back because you can't come out and call his players soft every week there's only so so much that will run but I think the players have to look themselves in the mirror and take like responsibility here. Like there's like I think we had this conversation maybe the last time it was on, but you know, there was a lot of Ulster fans were annoyed that more Ulster players didn't get game time in November, but we're seeing why Andy Farrell didn't pick them. I mean, Michael Lowry has form has fallen off a cliff, James Hume's form has fallen off a cliff. Um they still have problems at out half, which we've discussed at, at length. I, I think most listeners who listen to us regularly will know that we all think that out half is a problem position for them. Ian Henderson has been nowhere near 
his best since he's come back that's been an issue as well he's the fulcrum and the heartbeat of this team so um, I think like a guy like Dwayne Vermeulen is looking a bit you know he's not adding as much as he did last season I think a guy like Sam Carter has come in hasn't really added much for me at all has, has he I, just, I don't want to be too harsh <laughs> I was just going to say something like probably pub talk but honestly he's added has he added anything uh, yeah <laughs> honestly I, I, I honestly feel like that was a that's mm. for one of your foreign players like that that's supposed to be a stud of a, of a player that is but what, what that about, hasn't worked out. What about the Ireland internationals? You know, Keane listed them there. Like that, that's what's jumping out off the page as much to me. Obviously, Keane went through like the various areas of the, the, the kind of the team that aren't functioning. But it's just the individual performances of Henderson, Jacob Stockdale, who hasn't reached his form, James Hume, who this time last year was being touted as potentially breaking into the Ireland starting team, now probably won't even make the squad. Michael Lowry, who was playing great rugby up till you know this latest kind of malaise. Robert Balakoon as well, you know, hasn't been. You well, know, Balakoon's been injured yeah, in fairness for yeah. a bit, and I think Hume that was a very serious injury in the summer you just uh, anytime you hear of a player that relies on you know their their pace and Hume is in fairness a very exciting player we know we, we can see that he has a body of work we can kind of refer to and say okay well we know that guy's good like he's just gone through a bad bad dip I think a hamstring injury is really it can take a longer longer than people think to get over it's really disconcerting and can really knock your confidence actually um, so I feel like there's a bit of that going on for him um, I think you, you spoke there about this one being the one that really you know, is the most worrisome of the last couple of results. I actually thought the one in the sports grounds was really worrying for to, to my mind. I thought they just let their foot off the pedal. There was a moment in that game. I, I'm not going to. I will cover quickly the five meter uh, tap where I think uh, Connacht had just you know they just been let off the hook with a bit of foul play and there was a penalty advantage. Connacht come back down the pitch. Uh, you know, like Ulster had. I'm going to say a minute, a minute and a half to regroup. Connacht have a five metre penalty and they literally go over in two or three phases which allows them to then collect the kick off um, from uh, from Ulster and attack get one more attack on their line which they scored from and that kick is a very difficult kick in the sports ground there's probably a 50-50 shot of them losing that game from absolutely nowhere and I actually thought that was really soft I, th- I was looking at that going, you, there was no way Connacht should have ever been with an ass's roar of winning that game at the, at, at the point, at that juncture where that penalty, tr- that that, uh, that try is disallowed. Um, there's no way they should ever get a chance to even get another try on the board. They should be hunting for a bonus point maybe at best. That was a real let off, I think. And, and like you look, the Leinster one as well, the La Rochelle one, I know the game was moved, there was other stuff happening. You can't let those first half, that second half against Leinster happen. You can't let that first half against La Rochelle happen. And I thought all the chat afterwards was, well, well, how good was the first half against Leinster? Well, how good was the second half comeback against La Rochelle? The game's over at the, at, at, in that La Rochelle game. I think, the, I think Dan, Dan McFarlane was right. I, I think the team is showing a bit of a soft underbelly at the moment but and it's very if I was an Ulster supporter I would be very very concerned at this point when you say soft underbelly at the moment and I completely agree with you I think that soft underbelly has been a problem for Ulster for years and we thought when they won at the RDS last year that that might have been you know the kick that they needed but I think that's been Ulster's problem over the yeah. years that they are they do have that soft they're underbelly they're loose aren't they Keane I think they're loose if you think of Stockdale dropping that one over the line against Lens. remember Lens? that was a real tight one in the Aviva mm. But few you, of those moments you, you think back to last season when Leinster lost to the Bulls in the semi-final and Ulster went to the Stormers and if they'd won they would have had a home final yeah. and they threw that away as well last so, couple I know of we, we, we talked about that like it was controversial yeah. but it's kind of the same old story with, with Ulster and their game management was really poor Will wasn't it at the end oh. of the, the game at the weekend like you talk about the game management in, in the sports well even manual. like so you know they get the they get the penalty try. Mm. John Cooney goes offside. Okay, that happens. But then they get one last hail mary. Stuart Morris the ball aches the space. He does like a dummy switch and then throws a poor pass to Balakuna. That should have been a walk in try mm. for a very undeserved win, but one that could have galvanised yeah. them again. Like you go on the road, you're, you're thirteen points in the second half. But they butchered. They had an unbelievable chance and they butchered that as well. So I'd be interested to see what team he picks again. I wouldn't be surprised if, given they put a full strength team out or, or as close to it, he might actually wave the white flag. And well, we're t- we're talking about managing minutes like this is when it comes into effect because they have to send loads of lads to, to Benetton to try and get a, a really important win yeah. because it's you know the URC but is, like, is he, it wor- is he needs it wor- to keep playing them well he needs to, oh, they need to try and play but if you go with your full team to La Rochelle and they a give few them a changes, they need they need to play some of those big players they, back in. they haven't got they haven't got guys who can come in for those big players that we're, that we're referring to they, those guys need to be playing well for Ulster to be doing well he needs to try and play them back into form or or drop one of them can't drop can't be wholesale yeah. changes well not like you know 10 changes but like, uh, like but in, in a way right 
like I think a lot of the Ulster lads who were in the Ireland squad last year as a whole let's say and I think Stuart McCloskey to be fair I think has been playing he's well. not including him who's still been playing reasonably yeah, well I'm yeah, not I including agree. him oh he, no he's playing very yeah, well no, I agree in the point I'm about to make I'm not including him but I think a lot of those lads are in trouble of not being included in the Six Nations squad and if you're not in the Six Nations squad now your chances of going to the World Cup barring injuries are seriously seriously reduced and all of a sudden they have a very tricky schedule during the Six Nations because this yeah. Sharks game away from home has been added between between two URC fixtures. So they have actually mm-hmm. three URC fixtures during the Six Nations where they have to play at home, I think, then go to South Africa, then come back and play another game. It might be the best thing for them, Will, though. It might be the best thing that they get a bit of a jolt now. A few guys who are thinking they're maybe a little bit better than they were, uh, that they don't get selected, they get a chance to just stick tight as a group in there. They get a week away, probably during Six Nations at some point, to get to play some games together, as you say, tough ones during that schedule for them. I haven't had a look at myself. But if they have tough ones there, that can be a kind of a galvanising moment for the team. and could actually sit them in, a, in, they could put them in a good position to finish the season strong, and they actually might play their way back into an Irish squad if there's not an unbelievably good Six Nations from this Irish group and Ulster finish the season well and the qualifiers and they go far in, in that respect it could be the best thing that happens to a few of these guys the flip, side, the flip side is they go to Durban and, and face the Sharks you know fully loaded fully who loaded, don't have so. the Six Nations thing and they could be out of the Champions Cup because they've got two tough games coming up with La Rochelle like you said this weekend will and then Sale at home who've been going really well in the Premiership so um, they're in a seriously seriously tricky spot I don't see it getting any better yeah. do you think there could be any pressure on on uh, on Dan will I think well, they would have to be obviously the season still has a way to run but if the season keeps going the way they're going they would have to be like I, I like he's, he has another I think two years left in this I think he's like, done a great job yeah, so like if you look at the signings if well, you look at someone the- said to me at the weekend when I made, I said I think he's done a really good job but then we're like can you say that though at the moment like is in, if the season goes the, the way it's going could you, can you still stay, stand up and say that can you, but you, can you see what he's trying to do I always feel like if I'm looking at a coach I want to be able to see okay well okay, I think this is about the team and if I was with the team I'd be kind of focusing on this area I'd be focusing on trying to get someone into this position I see a logical path yeah. for Ulster to uh, have yeah. gotten better I, I, I see the signings I see that I see he deserves another me. season I think no matter yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. I think no too what, so I, I just I, have to yeah. we, no, it's, I agree. It's, it's been a, a bit of a conversation point no in I agree the I, 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 I would give yeah. him another season no matter what sure, I think yeah. he's earned that right people mm. have short memories like you think of the state that Ulster was in when he came in and took them over like he's done a really good job his issue is he's now stabilised the club and they're looking to push to that next level but the, the jump is huge still I think for for Ulster to get where Leinster are like basically is still a big jump so and that, that jump is supposed to be happening now it, exactly it? yeah so like you know you're going to have to wait and see but I think he does he does deserve more time yeah yeah I- to change the subject now because we have touched on Ulster a good bit over the last few weeks I'm sure we will next week after the La Rochelle game you know I mentioned South Africa there and with the U- the European Cup coming back and the South African teams involved in that I just wanted to raise up something with you I read during the week that I thought was really interesting it was an article on Supersport which is kind of the Sky Sports in South Africa and the guy who wrote it obviously spoken to members of the various franchises and how kind of the grumblings that are happening now with the travel that the South African teams are doing up north there was kind of pitched the start of kind of a flight to Heathrow and then one on whereas now the Qatar Airlines partnership they're flying to Doha there's long layovers it's made journeys very lengthy you have these giant behemoths being squeezed into you know middle seats of a, of economy class and I was looking at it earlier just like come the end of this European window the Bulls will have made four trips to the Northern Hemisphere so far this year Stormers, Sharks three each and obviously as the season goes on there could be three more per team like <laughs> I think they've added a lot rugby-wise, Keen. I actually do think the URC has been a lot better. I even like enjoy watching, say, the Sharks play the Dragons in South Africa. It almost brings the best out of the, some of the weaker teams when they're down there, that kind of hard pitch and the faster style of play. But when I was reading this article, I was just like, this is absolutely bananas. Like, how did how did we ever think logistically something like this could work? And when Europe comes into focus, it makes it even more acute because they have to go week on week in two different hemispheres. It does seem to be, I know there's an agreement for a couple of years, but God, reading that piece, I was like, this this is not sustainable. Yeah, I had the exact same. I read the piece um, whenever it came out last week or whenever it was, and I had the exact same thoughts, Will, when I was reading it. Like, I mean, it's always in the back of your head, but I think you've kind of probably pushed it to the side because yeah. the league has been so well, much better. We think of it as Irish teams going down once and those yeah, logistics, course, not yeah, the, yeah. the South Africans are up and down yeah. and up and down. And it takes a couple of days. Like. And what you're starting to see now is obviously, like, in it's not just in the URC because um, the first game in the Champions Cup, the Bulls played Leon and they played a second string team. Now, they ended up beating Leon comfortably at home, but but 
like whatever with the URC, the cha- like the Champions Cup is the, is the pinnacle, and to see like a South African team putting out a second string team was really really disappointing. We saw it with the Sharks last week, you know, sending a second string that their Curry Cup team basically to the sports ground. But the coach it, didn't even go. He said the coach. Also. Now to be fair, like Le- Jim Gavin in the Auburn but, Cup. But Leinster did that last season, if you remember, before the quarterfinal against yep. Leicester. Stuart Lancaster stayed back with Johnny Sexton and all the Ireland players basically. So we can't really give out too much when, when they do it because you can understand the the logic behind the thinking and when you read the the piece like it was seriously sobering like in terms of the it was like planes trains and automobiles yeah. like some of the, the legs of the journey and how long they were you know. was there a component of that will that there was do you remember there was a couple of delays that weekend because i saw the highlight of the but there wasn't there a headline of like a 40 hour trip i think was it for the sharks yeah. at some point yeah. or something like that they were stuck it was was there anything to do with the weather because remember there was inclement weather and i think there was a bit of an issue even for the, think, even for our guys one or two trips like that but i think it's generally the 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 kind of the Doha element of it seemingly a lot of these flights are being routed through Doha which is very different it was originally sold same time zone it'll be an overnight flight I read the article grand lads whereas in reality now they're they're, they're, you know spending a lot more time travelling than they thought and it is taking longer to get back up to speed and it's just generally not a nice way to and it's true Doha because Qatar yeah. Airways are now sponsors. I can understand it's very the thing is though I think what is very important and I think I'm sure they're obviously grumbling about it now and the reason you're not hearing like a, you know outcry about it is because the time zone difference is really telling I think they always say that all, all the players you speak to from South Africa say for Super Rugby and for whatever Tri-Nations or Rugby Championship now um, they always said that those periods where you're doing the time zone changes is actually the most wearing part of those trips it's actually they are long trips or whatever kind of 11-12 hours to mm. some of the to say to Argentina I think um, but I, I the, the, the most challenging portion of that is actually the time difference which they don't have to deal with now even if they're longer trips so look you hope they get something sorted from from that perspective that makes it worthwhile and, and, and keeps it viable um, because I agree I think they've been really great for the competition I thought they really flourished in the latter part of last season uh, as we obviously saw with the final um, but um, yeah no you, you'd like to see them get something figured out on that yeah, especially because if you look at the schedule, like if South African teams progress in Europe, like the Sharks have made a good start, they could literally be going up and down and up and down week on week towards the latter half of the season, and it would just bonkers. And there's like. the climate element of it as well, like which is kind of like not really being spoken about as much, but like that is becoming a huge, huge thing in all walks of life now. But if, we, if teams are getting on that many flights, like it's so so regularly, it's it is hard to see in the long in the long run how it's sustainable on so many fronts. But yeah, but we interested to see how the end of this season shakes out. As I said, in terms of how many more trips they have to do and whether this becomes as you say more of a public thing at the moment it was just a kind of a couple of guys talking off the record to a super sport journalist but if it kind of becomes to be fair Jake White has actually spoken about yeah. it and wishing well health wise I know he had, he had surgery there during the week he's spoken about it already how it's not really feasible to bring your same squad to the north and then back to the south and then play them two weeks in a row. It's not really a, a feasible. Well, Leinster do that regularly. They don't play their first. Now, they're, just yeah. because they're, they're, their second stringers are pretty strong and yeah. have been for a long time. We probably don't talk about it as yeah. much. But, you know, if you can do it and you can win, problem issue is if it's a real drop-off. And for yeah. Champions Cup, it's not acceptable. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, yeah, I totally agree, yeah. You know, one other thing, you know, interesting talking about, I think, Keane, obviously the Ben Healy move to Edinburgh and, the point I'm going to ask you about doesn't really apply to Ben Healy because he's Scottish qualified and it's a great opportunity to play international rugby, but kind of generally about player movement in Ireland and some of the restrictions of the system. Like, you know, obviously you want to see good players like Ben Healy staying in Ireland if possible and playing as much game time as he he could. But but what I've read, Ulster and Connacht weren't particularly interested in a move from him and he didn't want to play for another province, which I think is a stumbling block we're seeing more and more now. Like good young players kind of not wanting to play for another province. They just want to like, either make their name for their own problems if they can but they're just don't, not really interested that's kind of a limit to the system you can't really force a guy to go and play for another province if he doesn't feel like he wants to do that yeah of, of course you can't mm-hmm. like, and people do forget that because you know David Nusifor as the IRFU's performance director you know kind of controls all the pieces but you can't force a guy to, to move clubs if he doesn't want to and th- this is what happened with with Ben Healy and you know the reasons he didn't want to move province are very very clear he believes he's good enough to play international rugby if he was to move to Ulster next season you know would he play behind Billy Burns who knows like I mean because we're just talking about Dan McFarland to me that's been the, the blind spot in Dan McFarland is his kind of sticking by Billy Burns but that's a that's another story so Ben Healy is ambitious enough to you know want to go abroad play rugby and I think more power to him I've made this point um, with you guys before that like I think over the years there's been so many guys who are just comfortable in provinces by you know 
wearing the jersey, we're wearing their top around town in Limerick or Dublin, wherever, wherever it may be, getting a nice pay packet at the end of every month. But like, you got to show a bit of ambition as well. And I think that, that he's doing a more power to him. And you would like to see him, you know, stay in Ireland. Firstly, you'd like to see him staying in Munster, but there's no point in him staying in Munster and being third choice out half. Like, you know, Glasgow already made a play for him and that didn't work out. He stayed, you know, to see what would happen. Jack Crowley is now overtaking him. Jack Crowley's now overtaking him in the Irish pecking order as well. So the reality is he's way, way down the list in terms of the Irish out halves. And my understanding is that he did have a conversation with Andy Farrell and it didn't quite probably go the way he'd hoped. It was a bit cool in terms of, you know, New phone who this? Or yeah, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. I think more. I, I think like that's a credible approach from Andy Farrell as well. There's no point in keeping a guy in the country. Way, yeah. Like you look at what the All Blacks did to Peter Gussowaka. For terrible pronunciation there but he got capped against Ireland and now he's got m- moving to France like the All Blacks captain to basically capture him like you don't want to see that happen in Irish rugby either so um yeah like you know it would be great if he'd stayed but the reality is there are only four provinces in Ireland and the thing is the fact that Munster's third choice out half is leaving I think is a sign that the system is working you know what I mean like if the if the Munster third choice out half is going to be called up to the Scottish one that could happen sooner than we think because Adam Hastings is ruled out of the Six Nations going to be very interesting to see what Scotland do there then it's a sign that things are working you know you can't have a guy of that quality uh, sitting behind Joey Carberry and Jack Crowley and waiting for an injury to get his chance so um, it's just a, a consequence I guess of you know having four teams in the country Will. but I don't think it's necessarily like a bad thing and we need to kind of look at what we're doing it actually shows that things are working I think yeah and I don't it's think a bit it's disappointing a- to see the, the quality of player go I, like I, I would just probably have seen I, I think there's a bit of a gap I'm sorry very obvious I think there's a big gap behind Sexton and I think like if he got time in the in the pocket like I look I, I have some concerns about his game at, at this juncture but I think that's nothing that can't be sorted out with some good coaching and time actually in, in the position I think from his if I leave that sorry just to cover the Irish rugby angle first I just don't think there's enough of those quality players I think he's 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 of a calibre that could he has a, he, he could go the distance in my opinion just from what I've seen of his skills and his, and his head and I love his kicking game he's got a massive boot he could be a, a real a real player and could be an international player at some point I think if he got enough game time somewhere so it's always sad to see someone like that go from our system because I just don't think we have huge amounts of those types of players with that potential in particularly in that position what I would say is from his perspective you're 100% right I think I, I just feel like there's too many guys that sit in behind and waste their career mm-hmm. like you know he is an opportunity now to go over and be a big hit somewhere and he's going somewhere where he's wanted I mean look he's probably but what's really what's really sad about it really is that Munster aren't in an unbelievable position in terms of the backs that they have in my opinion um, you know it's a good backline but it's not an actually stellar performing backline I, I think that's fair to say um, he's probably suffered because I think Mike Haley's come into some brilliant form and you can't really shift Joey Carberry back to full back because he's the number two in Ireland for I just they seem to have made up their mind on that I don't know what the basis is for that um, because ideally to my mind he'd be sharing he'd be kind of doing a a, a Sheehan uh, Kelleher type situation with that 10 slot with Crowley and him getting a 50-30 or whatever you know swapping game per game and you'd have Car- Carberry at full back but Haley's playing so well I don't think they can do that now that's not really an option so um yeah, I think he's dead right to go. I think he's not going to get enough minutes to improve his game. And he obviously wants to improve his game and he wants to be a player. He wants to be an international player. It's a short career as well. Like, that's what we have to remember. The he's window t- goes. Look at him. Since he's come in, there's yeah. like there's all these people that are coming in. Like, Harry Burns now coming back into the yeah. picture. Like, these well, it changes quick. Career, remember, like, he kicked that monster penalty to beat the Scarlet. I think it was the first day of the season, maybe two years ago. And it looked like he was the next big thing. And then obviously, Jack Crowley comes in and Healy's window then closed fairly quickly. Like. So much of that is down to the change in coaching as well. I think we would have seen Jack Crowley play sooner he would have suited yeah, you know like so much more, of it was like because he Ben yeah. Healy is a bit of a South African type of, of yeah. 10 you look like he's got similar enough to Andre Pollard in many ways so I do think the coaching changing has has like kind of accelerated that but at a 24 you've got a narrow window you've already turned down the chance to go to Glasgow he probably would have been capped by now you know if he had went a couple of years ago when they came knocking and you're getting all this love from Gregor Townsend who by all accounts from my understanding is like he's been on to him fairly regularly saying no we're going to make you you know a main guy over here obviously he's got Finn Russell ahead of him and Adam Hastings he's not going to walk into the Scottish team by any means but when you have a national head coach you know kind of courting you and then your own national head coach is kind of thinking well look it's probably not going to happen anytime soon then 
to me like it's a he's bit a natural like, 10 though he's nah. a natural 10 like Scotland have been crying out for someone like if his kicking game can go to that next level if if if, if Townsend can bring him to that international standard level like that can't you don't have that power that distance he can kick a ball like that's a serious uh, weapon to have in your arsenal uh, to my mind the biggest problem he has is that he can't play enough and his tackling looks really bad at this point which I think he can improve there, it, it, to my mind it's technique stuff it's not an unwillingness to, to get involved in that sort of things but if he gets and those things right he could really push in Russell he's going to get a lot of opportunities at Edinburgh like Blair Kinghorn is playing out half for them when he's there but he's not a natural out no, half it sounds like that experiment could yeah, be I think, I think Edinburgh, that's one of the yeah, reasons yeah. Edinburgh's form yeah. has, has dipped a little bit but they have a good squad like Buffelli is yeah. signed on for another mm-hmm. couple of years again you know, Hamish Watson Darcy Graham like he'll be playing with some serious backs like, and if he gets a lot of game time there you know he should definitely be pushing for the Scotland squad which is a great opportunity for him but just to, as my original point Keen is you know about the player movement element of it like one time before on the podcast I kind of sat down this is how sad I am and redispersed <laughs> the four squads evenly into four different teams and I was just thinking of like how strong the four 23-man squads were if you literally could David Nunes' four kind of pick and choose who went where and what but it does it, it doesn't work like that like there's a cohort of guys of various provinces who want to only play for that province and you know Will Connors has said before that he was offered to go to Connacht and he said no I don't I don't want to play for Connacht like, I, I'm, a Ross Byrne. I'm a Leinster guy Ross Byrne has and done Joey the same Harvey, yeah. guys who undoubtedly would have gotten huge amounts of game time with other provinces but have just steadfastly said no it's worked out for, for, for some of the guys some of the guys I'm sure it hasn't worked out but it, it it's just interesting when you have a system like ours if you could pick and choose who went where and why and when you could have four extremely competitive teams more so than we have at the moment yeah like and, and that's the, the point I made at the start you know like if, when you only have four teams there's only a certain amount of minutes to, to go around and when you're third choice in, in the ladder like you, you've got to kind of you do what's best for yourself you look at a guy like uh, Jake Flannery who left Munster another Tipperary um, lad as well he left Munster at the end of last season and went up to Ulster and last week ahead of the Benetton game he was playing for Ulster A against Ealing Trailfinders like he's barely gotten a look in this season he's a guy who you know won the Grand Slam with Ireland under 20s back in 2019 I think it was not saying for a second he's a world beater by any means but we haven't got to see him at all and I'd imagine when he went to Ulster it was on the premise that you know he's going to get game time here and there and his career has totally stalled now so Do you know what I actually think as well from watching you know Exeter this year and seeing Roy O'Loughlin I know you interviewed him Mm. recently he's a very good piece getting like a lot of game time there like sometimes these guys move provinces and I just feel like if it was me like some of these guys who move provinces are never going to play for Ireland realistically so if, they, if that's the reason for them staying in Ireland or oh, they might get capped I think that's misguided there's a lot of great opportunities to play for great clubs in Europe it's actually not a massive jump to the Irish team though once you're playing for one of the four teams there's technically four guys who are who are three other guys you're competing with I know but you, like you can also look at you know you know who and you can probably for the <laughs> Not a popular thing to say, but you could probably, for most positions, you can really, you know, the, the, the Connacht guy is going to be probably bottom of the pecking order for the most part. And he's playing the most challenging place uh, and generally with the lowest budget team. And it's the, it's a, it's really, sorry, the guys in Connacht, it's a way harder track tra- uh, track for them to get into the Irish team. No one wants to, but, the, but you're generally competing with two other guys for the most part in most positions, the Ulster guy and the Munster guy. Um, and if you can get in, you look at Jimmy O'Brien, for example. That's a good example of someone who got in, made a big impact in, in, in the Irish team. And that's kind of... He had been playing for Leinster a little bit, but not a massive amount. Um, so it can happen quick for you, Will. I, no, but I, like, I, he's I playing with Leinster. Generally. My point is, like, if I, if I was a Leinster fringe player and I was offered the chance to play for Connacht or Ulster and I was offered a chance to play for Exeter and I didn't think I was actually going to play for Ireland I would go and play for Exeter but the Royal Lachlan example is a really really good like he's having a great see, like you know, a lot of game time playing yeah. for a great club they're pushing for the Premiership yeah. playoff places they're playing in the Champions Cup and that came about um, which I didn't know until I was interviewing him because he was basically had a serious pay cut and this is like not to go down another rabbit hole but it does kind of pertain to the point that you're making Will this is still a big issue for guys like we'll say the Rory O'Loughlin who were just underneath the, the, the top starters basically the effects of COVID are still massively impacting guys salaries and stuff so Rory O'Loughlin was offered a one year extension with Leinster on a reduced salary and was basically told because he says it in the piece but you know Leo Cullen came up to him and said look you're not going to be happy with this contract offer it's not your value but it's literally the best we can do um, normally and you would will, or Luke you'd know this certainly more than I would in terms of like how negotiations go with contracts like that try the, try the dress room before the Glasgow match <laughs> when, you're the tw- when you're actually the 24th man <laughs> or Joe Schmidt mm, that was an interesting conversation in front of another player Oh, what did really? he say? Oh, and it was a it was a fifty percent reduction. That was an interesting conversation. And pulled the contract offer. 
Yeah. Mm. So there is it. it it's a, it, it, They're not always. That, I'm not surprised that conversation. Like it's not always very professional. Or, yeah. Uh, or so a like, nice experience, <laughs> but it's it's. But the point is, like a lot of those guys are going to get squeezed now, and like if they mm. get an offer, like you said, will there of a really good club who are competing for honors and two fronts? Why would you not go? So Rory Lachlan got a two-year deal in Exeter on decent money, and there he goes now, and his yeah. career continues. And he was realistic to probably say um, he made the point to me that um, he lived nearby um, Andy Farrell in Dublin, and he would often meet him out walking his dog. And not once did Andy Farrell ever kind of give him any indication that, you know, he was on the fringes. Oh, yeah, I, they, I, I thought it was funny. They would just be talking shop and he would oh, kind of nice like... nice weather today, Andy. <laughs> 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 you know, but like, again, like I... I like that approach from an Ireland head coach rather than trying to keep guys in here when they could be off. You know, he's started a really exciting new chapter, a really good place to live. So, and goes back to the Ben Healy point, you know, he's going to go on a similar yeah. journey now. And uh, Maybe it's just because I enjoy watching the other leagues and I really enjoy when I see an Irish player yeah, featuring course, that. Yeah. I'm just like, why is everyone so hell-bent on just playing for the provinces when, like, some of these guys are not going to play some for Ireland? Some of them Ireland. have had brilliant careers over there as well. That's worth, that's definitely worth knowing, yeah. you know what I mean? You think some James Downey has had some, he was a very important cog in that Northampton team that was like you know Jordan Murphy's another guy Owen Redden and Walsh Owen Redden and Steenson Steenson with Exeter Steenson is a guy Ian Ian Whitten's to blame for him exactly so there's loads of there's loads of examples of this working out for people look there's examples of it not working out for people too we could definitely find but what I would say is I always think it's worth backing yourself and whether that's you know I, I think it's probably a bit misguided to only do that in Ireland at some point I think sometimes you've got to be realistic about what's ahead of you and also I think what's really hard for some players particularly players who are kind of getting paid below say or you're sitting in the same position or competing with someone who's on a national contract that's getting paid double or triple what you're getting paid it's very hard to keep that person out of the team. Remember, you have to justify all these decisions and all the th- all the th- stuff you're paying uh, these kind of big time players. If you're one of the, if you're on, you know, fifty grand and Gary Ringrose is on three hundred and fifty grand, like if it's a tight call, they're going to go with him um, over you. So I think people don't always factor that into a decision, which is very hard to do. But it, I'm sure it does play at the upper echelons, you know. Uh, and I think, um, you know, sometimes it's more realistic to say, do you know what. Um, you know, let let's go abroad and let's let's try something new because I want to back myself to get into one of these teams. There's loads of great rugby teams in the UK, in France, and it's a very enjoyable experience. And people really elongate their career and actually have great fun doing it and learn a different culture. So uh, I would say there's most of the people, or nearly everyone I've spoken to who's done it, has really enjoyed the experience, even if it didn't you know, it didn't result in a stellar premiership career or whatever. They all thought it was worth doing for just a life experience anyway. So I think it's great to see a guy, Rory, who is one of the nicest guys you'll meet too and a very talented rugby player um, go and, and, and hopefully make a name for himself over there. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a big hit in Exeter. Yes, same here. And he's playing re- regularly too. So, But the thing about the, just a quick point on the, the Ben Healy situation is I think a lot of people were confusing this example with Munster leaving the likes of James Cronin and John Ryan go. That wasn't, this is not what's happening in this case. Munster offered him a contract. He wants to play international rugby. And I think there was a big kind of outcry like from people online and stuff not actually realising that this is a unique situation compared to the others certainly it's not like Munster are pushing him out the door and saying no we don't want you here the guy wants to play international rugby and I think more power to him oh, yeah and if Gregor Townsend is ringing you up like yeah, like of course a lot more comfortable than meeting Andy Farrell on a walk and yeah. just like, you know, changing the subject immediately <laughs> away from rugby so yeah like how can you turn that down uh, just before we finish up I touch on the Leinster Ospreys game at the weekend I, I was so impressed with it as a contest I just was not expecting it at all from the Ospreys I was like to be fair they had a really good win over Montpellier away from home in the Champions Cup a couple of weeks back and it's just it feels so long since Leinster like kind of because Leinster sent a strong team out like got a real proper contest against one of the well sides you know really and I was very impressed with the game as a whole like obviously interesting from Leinster like they had some scrum difficulties they were down they scored a couple of late tries what did you make of the whole thing? Yeah, look, I think it was very pleasing from from a Leinster perspective to gut it out over there. I think it was pleasing from a league's perspective that you know one of the Welsh teams has you know put it up to Leinster. Like it's been a while since I've kind of I can remember one of those really. Um, so that was very pleasing, and I think you know the Ospreys have gone through a really difficult kind of five or six years. You know all the kind of financial difficulties. You know coaches leave and players leave and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, it was good to see them. I mean, if you're putting out performances like that, I can't see how you won't draw a crowd in a, in a rugby-loving country like Wales going forward. So, uh, very pleasing on a lot of fronts. And I think Leinster, you know, getting those kind of hard-fought wins. I mean, look, I think one thing that's probably important to say is there's a kind of a reason that Leinster would pick a, a, you know, a, a team like that going over there. I, I think they must have been... Wa- they would watch footage before that going, Do you know what, this is going to be a contest. So, bodes well for the league. 
the Welsh teams would be very concerned about and I think that's something that was kind of I gave me a little bit of hope anyway because we think we need them to be strong like Wales we, we can't have them we can't have teams over there like not competing there's too many good rugby players there just to make one point like I know the Ospreys did beat Leinster in the ODS behind closed doors during COVID right. but that was a much like Leinster wasn't this was a kind of a, a closer to a full Leinster team yeah. obviously missing some guys but you had Keenan you know Lammer Jack Conan mm. you, know, you know some heavy hitters out there which made it all the more pleasing I know Cardiff beat a, a similarly second string team but this felt more of a, a full on contest yeah and you had Josh Van Der Feer and James yeah. Ryan coming off the bench as well so like that shows like totally I was going to make that point that Luke just made that just shows the respect that Leinster showed because they were worried about that and you can't say that that's been the case over the years and you're right we need you need strong Welsh regions but like from a Leinster point of view what I thought was so impressive was they were clearly like far from their best and it was kind of I thought it was a little bit similar to the game at Stephen's Day in Toman Park where weren't at their best but had kind of like a, a burst of 10-15 minutes where they were able to, to pull away like I mean the tries they scored through Jimmy O'Brien like the try in half time for Dan Sheehan was crucial that was kind of key yeah, that yeah, was yeah, crucial yeah, 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 and you felt the, the game kind of swing kind of same in the Ulster match really when yeah. they were really in a way worse situation you know what I mean but it says so much about the character I think within, the, within this Leinster team that they're able to rotate the guys in and out but the standards don't really drop and okay like they, you're not going to be hitting 10 out of 10 every game but still finding a way to win like it's an unbelievably good trade to have and it probably sets them up well going to, to King's home this weekend because that'll be another kind of sticky affair um, when you'd have all the, the big guns back so um, there's a toughness and a belief in Leinster um, that's very contrary I think to, to the Ulster kind of side of things if we're talking about two you know and that's where Leinster are is that they can go out and tell me when they're not playing well um, and they don't let you I think they, you know, they're not perfect as you say like the Ulster first half is, is testament to that but they can kind of gut it out they, fe- they feel like they don't miss the moments does that the moments come from their the mentality game? though or become, because they have 25 internationals you know maybe it's not does the quality yeah, build they, the mentality or does think, the mentality build the quality I, I think there's a belief I think there's a belief that comes and, and, and a toughness I think they don't miss do you know there's, we always talk about moments in games Leinster don't miss many moments like Ulster seem to miss the moments. Do you know what I mean? Where they like I think I I I've called it. I'm not going to go back over the the, the ground yeah. we've covered, but they seem to miss some of the moments to put it put the knife in and twist it. You know, Leinster never do that. Uh, or when there's a moment where you have a Larry t- Shell in the final, maybe. Yeah, maybe you could say. But I I think well, no, that, that was a real. They only lost that in the last in the in the last moment against a very very good La Rochelle team. Let, 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 let's that's a different. That, their team, those two teams are very close in 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 quality. But I think Ulster missed those opportunities to twist the knife. Um, and or or, or you know when, you know those moments where I think Leinster just, if there's a, if there's an opportunity um, for them to to get back into a game you know that when one they sense moment blood. when they sense but blood, even when they, they don't sense blood even when they're down the chips are down and there's a moment before half time you go do you know what yeah. we're miles out of this but if we get something on the board there's just a little bit of doubt in the opposition. Yeah, and I think they don't miss those opportunities either. Will whereas I think Ulster miss both of those sometimes. No, like we're sitting here again, like they do look very clued in this season. But very clued. is that different to what it, like is that different to what it was like this stage in other seasons? I don't like I don't think we were sitting here this time last year. I think they were going to the wreck, so they're going to Gloucester. They, mm. I know Bath were in a bad place last year, but they absolutely. You know, destroyed them and it looked like they were on the right trajectory but they do look very clued in yeah and like I'm heading over to King's home this weekend it could be the last time Leinster are on the road if everything goes to plan mm-hmm. you know, from now until the final which is an unbelievable carrot to have like Leinster are so difficult to beat at the Aviva Stadium as Ireland are so like if they win this weekend they're clearly going for, for top seeds and they should be able to get it with Racing coming to the Aviva next week as well it's funny I looked it up earlier and if, if Leinster progressed to the final of both competitions Scotland away in the second last round of the Six Nations will be the last time Leinster frontline players play an away game for the rest of the season. They fi- they'd finish with nine straight home games. I, you're not, you're you, not, you have a lot of free time, Will. That's <laughs> my job. It's my job. Sorry, it's your job. free time. Not that you're counting the chickens or anything there. Well, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah, what, yeah. Oh, and I pointed out to someone, they were like, what are you, did, what are you doing? <laughs> so much has to happen. Yeah. But, but, but the, the Leinster players have spoken about the fact that this is code and hopefully will be their last away trip in the Champions Cup because there's no point in shying away from that. You know, It's an unbelievable character to have like to not be playing away from home in Europe like you think of the all the away tough venues that they could be going to particularly in France or whatever yeah. to be in Dublin is just it's a bit mad that that can happen it is it is. It, it is I'm not, not a fan of it I have no, to say no. I'm not a fan of the fact that they can play basically in Dublin quarter semi whatever like, look you've got to pick the final venue but, as yeah, well. yeah, but that's yeah. the, but that's always been the case it's just because the final I suppose is but to be fair to people giving out about the final being in Dublin 
the last time Dublin held it was 10 years ago oh no ago. I'm not giving out that the final is in Dublin at no, all no. It's, it's about time it's come around except no. for that we won't get a, a proper away trip um, to Dublin I'm just saying it's a bit unusual that like if a team let's say Leinster win it they'll have played away from home twice in the whole competition that's a bit does that feel right to you? it doesn't feel right but to be fair the, the knockouts has always been the, you know the winning or certainly for the last 5, 6, 7 years has been well, you would have had pool stages where you know yeah. they would have been they might yeah they would have had another away three times. one away game maybe like but they could have been they would have been the pool stages they would have been away from home you know yeah. and they could have had like a tricky French team like I don't know well Racing were a tricky French team they just you know yeah, beat them at the game so the difference is like the URC presumably if Leinster are a top seed and were to make a final that would be a home final that hasn't been confirmed but I, I can't see them yeah. you know bringing no. them away so that that would be a, a wrinkle one last question before we finish up you were running about Jamie Osborne I think during the Christmas period about his kind of emergence and he's played a good bit as well since then and he's been really really good and with Robbie Henshaw absent, I presume he'll feature again this weekend. How impressed have you been? And, and is he a potential Ireland squad bolder or is it a bit too simple? Uh, I think he will play this weekend. Yeah, like Charlie Natto, he's been really, really good for Leinster. He has to be very After good. a slow start, he's been really impressive. And he, he'll be a loss, particularly with Henshaw out this weekend. But yeah, I think you could, you'll probably see Jamie Osborne coming in and playing 12 uh, alongside Gary Ringrose, who's obviously been in brilliant form. Uh, yeah, I've been really impressed. I we were chatting to Stuart Lancaster about this yesterday and he openly said that he hasn't had any conversations with Andy Farrell about him being in the squad whenever it's named next week or the week after so that would give an indication that maybe he's not he's well, who are the centres then in the Ireland squad Ringrose, Bundyaki Stuart McCluskey yeah. but there'll yeah. be more will there be only three no, it'll be Henshaw and Ringrose. Well, Henshaw will be in the squad, you Yeah, think? like oh, he Henshaw. Train with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Henshaw, with Fred, sorry, yeah, I was yeah, saying yeah. if he's not He's touch and go for... Okay. He's too good to not... He, you have to have him. Ah, no, but yeah. he's injured, I yeah, guess. Yeah. No, no, but yeah. do you know the way they bring them yeah, in? Like, yeah. And they have three guys there. Yeah. They have Jimmy O'Brien can come in if they yeah, need. Yeah. Delarmer technically but can. You know what I mean? The thing about Osborne is, and like I love the fact that Andy Farrell has brought in development players throughout the squad because you've seen like how valuable that is. Jimmy O'Brien was one at one stage as well. Like Jamie Osborne has already been in the squad as a development player during, I think it was November. He's, he's a nice size of a bloke, isn't yeah, he? Like he's, he's only twenty one. He's getting yeah. you know, he's growing. Big left, figure. Big left, left foot. Really as well. good, nice. really good left foot. And like mm. Andrew Goodman was speaking about this that it's not just a torpedo, but like they like they see his left boot as being like an unbelievable a cultured left boot. At, at, no, but a threat at the gate mm. at, at the line as well, you know, little dinks in behind. Like oh, really? he's a really smart footballer. So mm. he's only twenty one. I think his ceiling is huge. I think the Six Nations will probably be a little bit too soon unless a couple of injuries, but that's not any slide on his quality. Well, probably or more valuable for him at this just at this juncture to mm-hmm. be with Leinster I would think and like the good thing for him is that yeah, you're right, you know right. you, you, when you look at Lancaster and the coaching there uh, Goodman like he's just been you know you hear great things about yeah. Goody, um great player I'm I, lucky enough to play alongside him for a couple of years really good good bloke but he's doing a good job with those young guys I think there's value for him to be there I think he'll get he gets better staying with Leinster where you you know you, you might not he always say that and having that voice like coming in from the Crusaders just a, a different voice yeah. and an already an unbelievable setup just, just one quick point on Jamie Osborne I think it was quite telling about in terms of how how highly I think Andy Farrell and the Ireland coaches rate him was that if you remember back in the Ireland A game when they lost to the All Blacks, he, I thought he was one of the few players who came out of that game with credit and he played 13 and they actually moved James Hume to 12 which I thought was very, very telling. Like we, We've already spoken about Hume. He was a guy who people were talking about was putting pressure on Gary Ringrose for the 13 jersey. So I just thought he's, Hume isn't a 12. So I just thought the fact that they moved him and put Osborne into 13 and Osborne can play 12 as well. So I think that they're probably looking at him as you know, Osborne's playing on the wing a little bit as well. Wing, so so maybe a little bit of that. But Leinster I, see him as a centre, and centre I think they see him yeah. as a thirteen as opposed to a twelve. Lancaster yesterday was comparing him to Henshaw when he kind of broke through the scene. So that is very, very high praise. So um, I'm very excited to see his potential, and also it's great to see him coming through the the club system in Nace. You know, he didn't go yeah, to yeah, it's always good to see it. It, it, it really, it, like it really gives him a lift, and you know, all, all the kids yeah. down there. Yeah, like there's no doubt he'll be down there mm-hmm. on a Sunday or Saturday, Sunday, whatever morning they're doing it, and it'll be a big lift for yeah. the kids down there and, and that's a great catchment area like there's going to be more and more people living there having a bit of a local hero in the Leinsters and, and, and hopefully they're on set it'll be great yeah. so good to see well we're all set for a great weekend of European rugby to come I'd like to thank Keen and Luke for joining me on this week's episode of the Left Wing Podcast we'll be back next week with another episode in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so until next time thanks for listening and goodbye this is an Irish independent podcast